documentaries, uh-huh. history, insights, interviews, chefs deep dive. And welcome to Shep's Deep Dive. And this week we've got our guest. It's our guest. He comes here. He's exclusive to Shep's Deep Dive. It's the one and only Fat Boy Slick. What would you do if I said I wasn't exclusive and I'd been moonlighting on other podcasts? No way! I, I would but, say, well, I hope you're getting more money than here. Any money's more money than here, pal. <laughs> I get paid in... You get paid <laughs> in, in t-shirts. T-shirts. <laughs> uh, my wife's like, is this another one? I'm like, yeah, put it, the, put it on the pile. <laughs> put it... <laughs> Put it from the Bernardo's pile. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the charity shops are whinging because they're gonna, they think they're going to get too much stuff once they open. You can't win. You absolutely well, they, can't win. They, I'm sorry. They <laughs> whinged win last time, didn't they? Do you remember when they were raising last money? Time. Yeah, they, not last time when there was a bad uh, disease, but there was somewhere, I think it was Haiti or somewhere, something happened, and everyone was throwing money in Bernardo's or wherever it was to send over there, so the guys in 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 Haiti from Bernardo's could go and shag more prostitutes. So everyone put loads of money there, and then there was flags in the window of Bernardo's saying, please do not give any more donations. Well, we've got enough. I suppose. Got enough? <laughs> And you're fucking yeah, but, joking. There's several places around the world. <laughs> yeah, but this is the thing about the donations to get there. I mean, how many Ian Botham autobiographies can they stock? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> how many Spice World CDs can they stock? I mean, how many Jimmy Savile badges do you <laughs> <laughs> How many Jimmy Savile kids annuals? <laughs> Blue Peter badges. <laughs> they do have some shit, don't they? <sighs> They do have some shit in the charity shops. Like, if you're after something very specific, you could go around them forever to try and find it. You might get it, but uh, the shops always smell as well, don't they? I mean, at least try and make it... Inviting. Like, inviting and appealing when you go in. Don't mm. they make it smell of, like, cabbage. Nasty. Um, nasty. I, uh, I heard you had a, a celebrity guest a few weeks back. An author. Oh, yeah. James P. Sumner. He's been on. That's very exciting. It, it is. It is for me. That was, it was really good. Well, I, I knew him for a number of years. He used to come to my kebab shop and stuff. And um, he did. And uh, let's just let's just the kebab shop you work. You were the one. When I was going to say you were the quality control, but by that I mean, <laughs> yeah, you can't serve rat. I, I just looked. <laughs> yeah, I do. No, no, no please will arrest you for that one, though. No. <laughs> Oh yeah, you can't do that. Now. Um, so yeah, he, he was on, and you know what? We we did aliens, and he knew a lot about it. It was great fun. I started to listen to it. I didn't listen to it all because I was in the middle of doing something else, and I was listening. Yeah, but I was both jealous, but also happy to learn stuff. Oh. Jealous because I wanted to contribute, but jealous, uh, but happy because of stuff I didn't know. And the good thing is, right, he's just launching a new uh, website with this company he's with. And he's got a link page, right? And on the top of the link page, the last thing he's done is our podcast. Nice. 
which is good because he gets quite a bit of traction. Hopefully, people like to listen to what he does. You know what I mean? And he, yeah. he says it's the only thing he's done where he's not just you know talking uh, about his book. So he really enjoyed it and wants to do some more in the future. Oh, cool. Well, yes, yeah, in the queue. It made me think. Sort of. See, I briefly worked with him as well. Yeah. Um, and you never thought that he would become this. I don't know. Can you can you call him a best-selling author? I don't know. But um, strangely enough. I thought that's that's a, like a major thing he's got off and done. It's amazing. But strangely enough, I was I was just perusing Facebook the other day, and there was a lad who I'm friends with who featured in the local paper up in the northeast, um, because uh, he just published his third book Ooh. on Amazon, a bit like your mate. Yeah, yeah. Um, self-published his third book, and everyone's like, "Wow, I didn't know you did this." Like he he also writes under a pseudonym. Uh, weirdly, also wrote crime thrillers. Not in the style of Jay, your mate. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and you know, he's doing doing really well for himself. But the, the reason why I know him is because when I graduated from uni, I was a, uh, like a support teacher at my secondary school, uh, like a, a supply teacher rather than a support teacher. After about six months, they, they gave me the opportunity to shadow teach film studies to the A-level students. Ooh, so they had a, awesome. a, so it was an online course where they had an online tutor each week who taught them. And then I was like the, like the classroom understudy who would then run a few projects if he couldn't make it, got the homework, help them and stuff like that. Like groom them as well. Yeah, bit of that, a little bit of that, <laughs> just a little bit of that, just the boys, not the girls. Oh, right, um, okay. So this this guy who's now publishing books on Amazon, uh, he was in my I my A level I call it my A level class. There's only like six of them, but he was in it. He was in that. I, I so I taught him movies a little bit in A level, right? And uh, they had coursework and stuff. And his I remember him giving me his first bit of coursework just to analyse. Uh, like a scene from a movie. I can't remember the specifics, but I shit you not, it was so bad. Like he couldn't. It was his spelling was worse than yours. Whoa! Right, he, he couldn't construct sentences, and I was like, this. I, can't. I remember it being so shit. Are you sure it's not me? Yeah, I'm sure. I'm pretty sure it's not you because <laughs> they, they, they wouldn't have allowed your films in. Uh, so, and I just and then like how many how long ago was that? So 15 years later, here he is publishing books on Amazon. I'm like, this is not the same person. He could on he could not write. He did. I don't. I don't think he passed his English A level, English GCSE. And here he is writing books. Okay, now. Well, so I don't. I don't know how he's doing it. I don't know how he's doing it. A phenomenal editor. Well, that's it. He must. He must have written something. Someone read it somewhere and they've just proofread it and tweeted. He, like his grammar was bad and everything. Well, you got all that grammarly now, aren't you? And all those fucking programs, more or less writing. Yeah, but I don't you. even think he'd be. No offense to him, I hope he never listens to this. But he might, I don't even think he would have been even intelligent enough to have thought about using something like that. <laughs> <laughs> but, but just to show anyone, you can do anything. You can do. Really. Well, who would have thought that you you'd know, have a podcast? I'd have a podcast. Well, yeah, everyone, po- and everyone, everyone really, thought. Yeah. Everyone thought you'd have been in jail, but here you are podcasting exactly. about lost boys oh yeah yeah there's a, there's a nice segue you <laughs> <laughs> see that like Joey talks about me owning the show <laughs> and today listeners we're going to be doing lost boys there we are Michael and Sam have just moved to Santa Carla California they're about to discover its secret Michael, they're coming! 
thing about living in Santa Carla I never could stomach. All the damn vampires. Cry little sister. Cry little sister. Is that another words? I never I never knew what they sang. I I always um sung that. Thou shalt not cry. Is that what she is that what the kids sing? Thou shalt not cry. Thou shalt not people are strange. Yeah. <laughs> Who would people? Is that is that uh, Echo and the Bunny Man? Was that people at Strange? Uh, yeah, but it, the original was uh, the Doors, wasn't it? I love the soundtrack. We've talked about that. But uh, Lost Boys, tell us where you picked it. Um, and, and don't say you was just sat up on a Wednesday night watching it. This, this, yeah, <laughs> I'm not kidding you. Right, so it goes, it goes a bit further than that. This is obviously all this was obviously before Did I Did you ever watch which watched up with your brother? No, so my brother moved out when I was about So this is that's a good link as well. So my brother moved out when I was about seven. Is that because he was a vampire? But, well, this is why I know Lost Boys. So he had it, we sh- we had to share a bedroom. So he was like a fourteen, fifteen year old sharing his bedroom with his little kid brother. Yeah. About as you know, as a having been through teenagehood. I can imagine what a nightmare that was. <laughs> I was wondering why there was like loose socks everywhere. <laughs> I used to share a room with my brother, but he's only two years difference. Well, that's all right. You could have passed the material around, couldn't you? Yeah, you shared it. <laughs> <laughs> right, so he had a few posters up in the bedroom. I can't remember. One, one was Lost Boys, ultimately. Some of the other ones were Flowers in the Attic. Do you remember that film? That Frank, book. That's, I remember the book and I remember the film. It's pretty frightening. I read the book. Weird. I, I yeah. think there's a series of books. I read one or two of them. Yeah, yeah, there is. So he had that, and the, the one that always stuck with me was Lost Boys, because it was the it was like the characters' heads through the characters' heads in like a, or in like a three. I've got enough memory here. I could probably Google it, but I haven't. Um, and it was black. The post was black, and they were like faded in, like emerging from the darkness. And I wouldn't say it scared me, but I would look at it and be really like put off by it, and I was like, "This is it." I had no idea what it was about, nothing. But he had that poster up, um, and then he moved out, and then slowly the posters went down. And I remember thinking, "I'm glad to take that one down because it was a bit scary." Um, <laughs> and then I never really thought about it again. And then, lo and behold, I remember my first year at secondary school. It literally was like a, a Wednesday night, Thursday night. Um, I think I tried to stay up to watch what would have been called sports night so which is now match of the day too a midweek match of the day oh yeah okay yeah. it used to be called sports night to watch the football highlights and then i'd finished at like 11 o'clock half 11 or something and then it was bbc one and like oh no uh something to get you through night lost boys and i remember thinking oh, lost boys died with a poster of that in the bedroom and i just out of curiosity thought i'll just start watching it and then just like literally the first 10 minutes that was it i was hooked i was like holy shit and that's the film so i watched it with absolutely no idea what the movie was about and just completely blown away by the fact the the film and i know you said the first 10 minutes was blown away 
me and my brother grew up on my dad my dad was always working and uh so he was doing weird shifts so it's mainly me and my brother and my mum. when we watched lost boys you sort of connected with that did you get that within the oh, well totally because i felt like i was the same age as cory haynes character yeah and so i felt like i was at that time when i watched it i was like and also my brother was the same age as his brother in the movie oh, right. michael so and so I told I completely relate to it by the fact that I was to, related to it. So I felt I was the same, probably same age as Sam. So that's Corey Hain. Yeah. And my brother was felt like the same age as Michael. So he because so Michael this really is his brother. So Michael's probably about he comes I I think he's about twenty one in it, isn't he? Because he drives, he drinks. Um and and Sam's probably about thirteen, fourteen or something. It might be a little bit older, but I, I totally related it to that dynamic. But then I also relate to the fact that we moved around quite a bit, um, and actually the the Santa Clara where the film set just completely reminded me. This sounds really sad of a holiday that me, and my brother, and my dad went to on the Isle of Wight, and that was my first proper conscious holiday. It's the first holiday when I was I knew what was going on. That we were on holiday, and I remembered stuff, mm. and I remember and I remember there being a big fun fair on the pier. I remember spending loads of times at night out and about playing and seeing things on the pier and stuff like that on the other way so, so, so it really relate, it's similar that's very similar to the film then isn't it it really it, it totally felt like so i remember watching this thinking okay characters say you know and i just got really hooked into that and then and i had no idea it was about vampires and then obviously when shit starts happening I, and i and i love vampire stuff i can't remember what vampire stuff i'd watched that age but that, as a 30 14 year old vampires like the coolest thing ever aren't they really yeah and and here I am at midnight watching the coolest vampire film ever made. And I started watching it. I just did not feel tired. And I remember just it ending thinking, oh, did not want that to end. I loved it. So I wanted to watch it again straight away. But I was too young to, I'd had no money to go out and buy a video or anything or anything like that. And I just couldn't wait to get to school the next day and say, do you watch it? I remember going to school the next day and they said, did you watch Lost Boys? I said, watch Lost Boys. Nobody watched it. I was just completely on my own. I was going, it's like the best film ever. It's so good. And I remember loving the music in it and everything. The music, and I just, I just, it's, the music's great. And okay, um, some of the fashion doesn't really stand the test of time. But the story, and you've got some of the best actors at the time in it as well. Yeah, totally. So Keith Sutherland was like... That was in his heyday, innit? That was it. Yeah, it was top, top property in the 80s he was. Um, he only did the film... Um, because he knew because um, uh, he heard about the soundtrack. Sure, really. Yeah, he only really wanted to do the film when he heard that. Oh, in excess. Um, I heard there yeah, was something in that I thought I heard that he was mates with the in excess, or whether he heard something with the in excess. Yeah. Yeah, in excess, Jimmy Barnes and all that. He, because they, he knew they were going to be having songs in it that helped persuade him. No uh, way. Can you imagine being that big in your acting that you could turn roles down just for the soundtrack? Yeah, I know. He, um, <laughs> you know, he has the least lines out of everyone. Does it? Did he do that on purpose then? I think so. Because the if of you money. think of... Because it's quite an indie film. I think so. It's because it, well, it keeps him quite cool and calm, doesn't it? Yeah, I suppose it adds to the more of the mystery. Yeah. yeah, in the same way, like in Alien, they don't show the alien, which makes it scarier. Right. Whereas so with him not saying much and just being quite placid, it gives him an air of superiority. Superiority, you know, he's the one in control. 
Yeah. Because because he he doesn't have much to say. Not in fact, I say the least the least amount of lines for the speaking characters because the rest of the Lost Boys, none of them say anything either, do they? To be quite to be quite fair, but he doesn't say anything really throughout the whole film. No, you got the uh, the Bill and Ted guy. He's Bill and Ted. I, I so I watched Bill and Ted before Lost Boys. Thinking, oh, that's. Um, and he doesn't say much. <laughs> no, none of the Lost Boys. The, the rest of the Lost Boys just remind me of like. Like Aerosmith or something. They just yeah. look like they're from. I think that was a design thing, wasn't it? They look like they're from the coolest rock band of the eighties, don't they? Yeah, exactly. Even the posters looks like a front cover of a of a, a, a vinyl or a disc, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Do you know much about so, it? How it was built? How it was put together? Yes. Well, I don't know about it. The way it was. Pre- Production-wise, I know a few I, things. So I do, it, I do know that um, Richard Donner's supposed to have done it, which yeah, is why was, you get the, the title called Lost Boys because he envisioned it as a younger uh, characters. I, yeah, I heard it was supposed to be Goonies in Neverland, ah, like literally. Right, yeah, why, I think yeah. they, I think they must have sat down with a pitch and stuff for like, what? Why? Why does Peter Pan never grow up? Maybe he's a vampire. Yeah. Ding! What if the Lost Boys and Peter Pan were vampires? So Richard Donner was, I think he co-wrote the original script, so that is why, yeah, it's called Lost Boys, because that name's just such a, although it's not really relevant, it's kind of relevant, but it's such a great name. But that's why you've got, um, like, the Frog Brothers and Sam, the characters, the young characters. They just, I'm led to believe that it was supposed to be a bit more family-friendly, but then when Joel Schumacher came on, he recognised he could sex it up, so to speak. Yeah. By making it more of a teenage film, making it a bit, a bit more gory, making the kids a little bit older. Like I'm not really sure what children's stuff he has done. I think he's already been... Richard, Richard Donner? No, uh, Richard Donner, I don't know, has, but uh, Schu, Schu, uh, well, it's Schumacher. It's like, what children's stuff has he done? Because uh, he well, did mainly teen stuff, like, say, Elmo's Fire, didn't he? He did say Elmo's Fire, that's... That's, so Flatliners was obviously Keith. Um, Samus Fire is Rob Lowe. There's a poster of Rob Lowe in Sam's bedroom on the film, you know. Ah, like a shout out. Oh, that's good. Yeah, but it's weird because it's Rob Lowe like half naked. Oh, that's a bit like, disturbing. Why? So why? <laughs> which is weird. Like I didn't have any half. I don't have any half naked bed on my wall well, when I was growing up. I don't know. You know, it sort of explains because we'll go in it after we're Corey. The poster had some problems, didn't he? With. Uh frisky directors and producers of Hollywood oh I just opened that can of worms there yeah (laughs) (laughs) to boom (laughs) yeah well the only other kid films that George Schumacher that I know of is the when he took over the Batman films in the 90s which just became they just terrible shit though didn't they like proper like designed to sell toys weren't they he was they were just so cheesy yeah He, he was though um uh like similar to like a John Hughes, he had his own team of teenagers to do yeah. these great productions, but he didn't fare well too much into the nineties, I don't think. Josh Schumacher. Yeah. I don't know. Should we have a quick look what he's done? So directing wise, I mean, how old is he now? He's probably about eighty or something, mad. Um, House of Cards. I mean, doing TV. Man in the Mirror. Never heard of that. Twelve. Never heard of it. Blood Creek, never heard of it. These are all, I'm going backwards. Yeah, n- number, number 20. 23. I heard of it, but I didn't hear much good about it's it. Phantom of the Opera. Uh, I'm only looking the best of the next set. So the reason why he's in that, so the reason, to, the way he got those artists to the sound, to be on the soundtrack as well, is that he promised to do music videos for them. Oh, right. So he didn't do, oh, right. That's good of him. <laughs> 
So the last one re- of real note, I would say, is Phone Booth, 2002, which is quite a good film. Yeah, but one film out of, of what do you mean, shitload. <laughs> He's not, he's not, he's not up I, there with the best directors who stand the test of time throughout the years, has he? You know what I mean? No. To be honest, though, you could go to the early days. You could probably sure pick out, out of all Lost them. Boys, it'd be Lost Boys Flatliners. and Flatliners, which to me are the best out of all them. Everything he's funny done. career, funny career. Done a lot of music videos. I think he's more of a producer, isn't he? I know he's only nine producers. What interesting. He obviously just made his money. Then felt like he didn't need to do anything else. Yeah. Like why do you why do you love Lost Boys? Because you were happy I was doing it. Uh, yeah, I wanted you to do this one. I was happy for not personally myself, but I've got a few listeners who really want to listen to it. Like my sister-in-law, she adores it. It's one of her best films. My brother, he has no choice; he has to like it because. <laughs> I'm sure she puts it on a lot. Um, and myself, I love the soundtrack. I heard the soundtrack before the film. And that's how I got onto it because I used to love The Doors. And I've, oh, right. someone says, have you heard Thingy's version on Lost Boys? And it sounds exactly the same as The Doors. I can't understand to this day why they didn't use The Doors version. And everyone used to go sick going, it's a fucking amazing song. And I'm like, it's a fucking old song from the 1960s, 70s, what you're on about. <laughs> And it sounds exactly the same. Does everyone then go, oh, he's off again? Oh, no, that's it. That's it. That's exactly what my mum would say. Cliff, just leave it Cliff, out. Put it away. Watch, watch the fucking my... film and shut up. <laughs> so, we had the, we had, remember the, we had the post in the bedroom, but I actually got a memory of us having a CD of it as well. So, I remember my brother had a CD player when, in like 1987. Like, so somehow, wow. we thought he had a CD player. How rich were your had... family? No, we weren't at all. But I remember seeing the CD box, and I remember, I think I might have listened to it. And just didn't understand it. I never went back to it. I remember just playing Vanilla Ice Ice Baby on it endlessly and learning all the lyrics. I used to play that all the time. And I had Simpsons sing the blues. Where it was <laughs> back the Simpsons family singing, oh, the Simpsons characters singing cover versions of old blues songs. And I didn't know there were cover versions of old blues songs. I effing loved it so much that I learned all the lyrics to all the songs. And then as an as an adult, I used to hear, I had to hear the originals, but could only sing the Simpsons song, <laughs> the Simpsons words over the top. <laughs> in in like Bart's voice as well. In Bart and Homer's voice, yeah. <laughs> honestly, like, honestly, after this, if you find it, Simpson, Simpsons sings the blues, it's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. Anyway. Which is hard right, because so you... you've got really good taste in music, because I always come to you to say, give me something really good. And now you're telling I me about say, Simpsons. Right, all right. But that's what I'm right. That's what I'm saying. Go and listen to it. You'll be surprised right, at how good it is. Right, I will. Do, do the Bartman. I tell you. I tell you what. Do the Bartman was covered by I, Jackson. You know. I tell you what. The end tune for this pod. We'll put that one on for you. No, you've got to play Cry Little Sister. That's ridiculous. How can you end the Lost <laughs> Boys podcast with fucking Homer Simpson Maybe. whinging about Smithers? A blues riff. <laughs> if Bart Simpson's doing a Cry Little Sister version, I'll find that and put it on. <laughs> or, what would really wind you up is there's is Marge and Homer singing People Are Strange. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can't do Marge. I don't no. know. Can't do Homer. <laughs> you would do Homer, liar. <laughs> you don't like Homer. I saw you when I saw him today. I was like, I've knocked on the wrong door. Hey, yeah, I thought you might have said well, Barney or something, so that's not too bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, do, do you want to explain the, the the plot of the film 
briefly, I'm bored of all I'm, you always ask me to explain it, you can do it this time the plot of the film, so this lad with, with his brother and his mum <laughs> the Mancunian interpretation of the Lost Boys, this lad and his mum this lad his and bro. his mum and his bro they're going down the city right they're going down and looking for a place to live it's like Salford it actually, it starts off like um, well, there's a big sign saying murder capital of the, of the world murder capital so, of the world Salford, and they go Salford. there. I've seen parallels completely if all the corpses buried around here was to stand up all at once, we'd have one hell of a population problem. Do you know what? If I should say it's by the pot, we'll just probably go off on too many tangents. But Joe, that sign, it says murder capital of the world. They wanted to have that because they needed to establish the world. So there's like lots of missing people. But it's obviously filmed in San Diego, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, San Diego said, don't, don't even dare call the city that you're in your film San Diego and have that plastered on it. So that's why they changed it to um, oh, Sa- uh, San- Santa Clara. Yeah, it was uh, Santa Cruz, not San Diego. Oh, is it? Sorry, yeah. Santa Cruz. Just in case, just in case, one of my listeners who comes from San Diego <sighs> rings me up and batters me. You know what? You get inundated with them San Diego people. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, they're probably foaming at the mouth already. All, all one third of them. That's it. The the one the one soul that lives there. <laughs> She's doing all the killing, that's why. Yes, sorry, Santa Cruz. Santa Cruz. Santa Cruz. Still in California, isn't it? Yeah, it's the hot part. That's why, isn't it a percentage that something silly like 45% of the serial killers from America at some point in their life lived in LA or on, you know what I mean, on the West Coast? I think it's the heat just drives people fucking nuts. I've absolutely no idea. Or is it just because of the real high density of people there? I don't know, it's a high density of people in New York, isn't there? You're thinking that would be more, because it's more drib and drab when it's you know, Are you basing dreary. this off watching TV shows? Yeah. I have been to these I'm places as well. Do you know, there's so many people die in CSI, like, right. <laughs> in, 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 in Vegas. <laughs> I've seen it on CSI, I'm telling you. I'm telling you, people cut their heads off and everything. <laughs> <laughs> right, anyway, back, back to the film. So, right, so they moved to this, moved to... Santa Cruz, Santa Clara, Santa Clara. yeah. To, so they're going to live there with her, uh, with a granddad, with their granddad, no, not her, her dad, granddad. Yeah. Right, yeah, not her dad. I, I said I'm not doing very yeah. well, am I? Yeah. <laughs> right, shall I do it? Yeah. So Sam and his big brother Michael move with their divorced mum to live with their granddad in Santa Cruz. Even <laughs> I'm struggling. I, have you noticed as well? I'm just going to jump in. We won't even go past the first bit. But there was a hell of a lot of films from the 80s and 90s with a very similar style where they started more introducing families which have been divorced. You've got um, Karate Kid. You've got... Um, I've, there's a few other kid ones what I've seen in the past. I think one of the John Hughes ones as well. It show, You know what I mean? I don't think before then there was any establishment of any films which shown that. I guess it's... It's more. It's doing more stuff with teenagers, isn't it? What moving with what, times as well? Yeah, mate, mate, yeah. That as well as more obviously be more divorce in the eighties than they were in the sixties and seventies. But also, you know, they're trying to look at angles yeah. with teenagers. They're making films with teenagers, and they need to portray all the different types. And I guess being divorced is a really good narrative device because it gives the teenager kid some angst and a reason to rebel a little bit. Yeah, like yeah. he wouldn't have got away with all the stuff he gets within the film. Disobeyed his mum. Yeah. Because there isn't a second parent. I don't want to say that, but there isn't a second parent to, to to stop him doing it. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. So while they're there, Michael gets into 
uh, makes I'll say makes friends, but gets involved with a gang who are actually the last boys and end up being vampires. And he um, he, only gets, he only gets into them because he fancies the girl, doesn't he? Star, yes, he fancies Star. Who Star is in the middle of being transformed into a vampire herself. Um, and she, and she is a star. She is a star. She she is a star. Yeah, she's a superstar. Even to today, at fifty four, she still looks amazing. All right, I'm not actually Jamie drunk. Jamie Goods. Her name is. She got the goods. She gets the goods. Yeah. She got the goods. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, Sam befriends the Frog Brothers. Who do they work in? The, they work in the comic shop. They, 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 they work in the they? comic shop. Yeah, they don't. Yeah, they're too young to. We're fighters for truth, justice, and the American way. Right. This was actually the first time the film, the, co- the two coys were on in the same film together. Which a lot of people make the mistake thinking they're in Goonies. Yeah. Which is yeah, mad because the, the, that that lad sort of looks a little bit like. Uh, yeah, Corey Haim yeah. does look like um, he, Frodo. Yeah, Frodo Faggins. Yeah. Frodo Faggins. Um, and and that's where he learns about the being vampires because the two lads, the frog brothers, say, "Yeah, be careful, vampires." He's like, "Yeah, whatever." Uh, and then. Unusually, I don't think Michael gets bitten, does he? He just drinks the blood. And yeah. so he starts his transformation. Now you know what we are. Now you know what you are. So what, you've got two bits running in the parallel there. You've got um, Michael slowly transforming into a vampire and his little brother Sam being aware of vampires but then recognising his brother's actually turning. So together they try and stop it. Ultimately, they, they try and stop it happening. So they, there's a number of confrontations with the vampires. You see them hunting. You see them killing people. You'll never grow old, Michael. And you'll never die. But you must feed. Sam learning about vampires and it all. Uh, and while this, there's a. The mum can't control them because she's new in town and she's just on her own. Which starts dating a new guy. So she's massively distracted. They think the new guy might be a vampire himself. They just have suspicions. Uh, they do a couple of tests on him. He's not a vampire. Oh, yeah, that's that's clever how they do that, and it's a good twist at the end as well. Yeah, it gets to the point where they actually find where the vampires stay, kill one in the day, and then they realise that tonight they're going to come for us, and so it all big crescendo towards the end where they're trying to defend the house from the lost boys who are attacking them, and they oh, spoiler and... alert, take them all out. But actually, they don't all die. Michael doesn't doesn't turn back to being human because they realise that the mum's boyfriend is the head vampire, and the twist being he. He doesn't fall for the tricks, are you having garlic because sprayed in? Because you invite like him into the house. Yeah, and I, did, I didn't know about that rule. Well, did they make that up? No, no, that, that, has, that has been a, a rule before. I think I've seen that before in other stuff. But if you invite them in uh, to the house, I think, um, what's that Stephen King one? Salem's Lot? I think there's a similar type of thing there that you have to invite them in. It's not. It's not original law, though, is it? No, no. I don't think it's in Bram Stoker. No, it's not in there. No, no. No. Did you know that they the the order that the vampires die in is the reverse order that they appear in the film? No way. So, Joe, they're on the they come they when you first see them they're on the merry-go-round in slow motion or whatever. Yeah. Well, that the order they appear is the order that they die in reverse. So, Keith Sutherland is first. He dies last. And so the very last person on the merry-go-round is Bill from Bill and Ted. And he dies And he's first. the first one to die, yeah. And not only that, the, the way they all die is in order to the way one of the Frog Brothers described how the different ways to kill them. Ah, right. 
That's really clever. You have watched this yeah. a few times, haven't you? <laughs> yeah. So I think it's Corey's character kind of says no. It says like no to die the same way. Some go quietly. Some some scream. Some go quietly. Some explode. Some implode, etc. And that's how they die. Like the first one, they stab. Goes relatively yells and screams. Then the next one goes quietly. Another one does explode in the bath, etc. Whenever I think about the film, what what kind of dialogue do you do you always remember? Well, you know, one what always pops up is the one where he says, My own brother, a goddamn shit-sucking vampire. Will you wait till mom finds out, buddy? I, I yeah. always used to laugh at that so much. I love much. that. And yeah. the fact... Because uh, your mum's going to do everything. Because she is. <laughs> yeah, your mum's going to sort it out. And the other Corey, Corey Feldman. Feldman. Yeah. Feldman. The way he acted... Now, I didn't realise until I was doing my research that the way he acted the way he did is because the director told him to watch loads of Rambo films and Chuck Norris films. So, actually, when he came on set, he actually put on the bandana and he gives it that... Yes. You know what I mean? Like, um, I always talk. wondered. I didn't know because I always wondered why he spoke like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you buy into it. Like when you watch the film, you accept it. But I remember thinking. Yeah, I, I when, when, when you I, first when hear it though, you think, film, "Is he just being a bit yeah. of a dick?" But then it continues yeah, yeah, yeah. through the entire film. <laughs> Get yourself a good sharp steak. Drive it right through his heart. I remember when I, when I was a bit older, I was like sixteen, and I finally got the film on video. And I showed it to my mates. As soon as his character comes, I was like, "Oh." You want to be careful. Mates look at me saying, what the fuck? Like, they thought that it was a kid's film. Like, what the fuck are you watching here? It's ridiculous. And I see, I don't, I still don't know if I like the way he speaks. No, I think it would have worked better if he'd said that first as an introduction piece to the other Corey and then became himself. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I don't know. It's a weird one, wasn't it? It's a weird, it's a weird character in it. Joe, I think Joe Ben Stiller auditioned to be in it. Did he? What character I don't would know it what been? character though. Michael. I don't know. I don't know. I've just heard that he, he apparently let slip is this, one is this day what, Yeah, he, but is this when Richard Donner was going to do it, like to make it more of a family I've absolutely one? absolutely no idea. I've absolutely no idea, but apparently he was attached to it. Oh, wow. But he would have been, how old would he have been? He would have been a teenager. Like a, He would have been the same age as Kiefer Sutherland at the time, wouldn't he? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, so it might, it might have I been for know. Michael then, who has been that old. Michael. That's so. Michael is said like about about 150 times in the film. Is it? I think it's 118 times in total. Yeah, because that's all ever. So you got the little brother going, Michael, Michael. You got Kiefer going, drink it, Michael. Michael. You got Star going, Michael, run. <laughs> Just con- all all the way through the film, literally every other line is Michael. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I don't, in fact, if you didn't notice that, if you watch it again now, it'll really stand out. You won't. It'll be one of those where you can't not watch it now. One bit I like is this is one of the first films where the vampires like look normal, and then when they become a vampire, they don't they like they just look normal in the day, so to speak. And it's only when they feed or they're attacking that their faces change. I think up until that point, lots of vampires have been portrayed as kind of being proper monsters constantly. So actually, what they set a real precedence there for vampires in modern for moving forward even like vampire diaries blade etc in that they don't have they only have fangs the face only change when they go to feed oh right which then opens the doors because that that allowed the characters to then mix and mingle with everyone doesn't it you know what yeah yeah and it makes it scary it's not into vampires exactly it's not like a hammer horror so you're walking around with a cloak and the fangs out all the time I used to watch Hammer Horror films all the time. I'll tell you one thing, what I did find out, is um, the maggots. 
Did you read about this? You know the, uh, when Michael gets given that tray of the stuff, rice, yeah, yeah, and he goes, "Oh, you eat in maggots, are you?" In that Yorkshire accent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 remember that scene. Yeah. Michael looks down. Oh, maggots. Well, apparently it was just like said by the director. He said, "Oh, this would be good to use," but the scene took so long to film. You know why? Because maggots don't really move that much. Until someone said we had to pour like um, uh, lemon juice over the top of the maggots so they'd move and be quite active on screen because he wasn't moving oh. for the screen presence. <laughs> they just they just weren't feeling it. Yeah, they just kept sacking maggot after maggot. <laughs> they wasn't getting into the role. That's what it was. <laughs> I've been fishing and maggots wriggle all the time. Yeah, I know. Maybe, I don't know, that's weird, that. Maybe, I, I reckon someone probably had the maggots in the fridge, keep them from, you know, turning, or something like that. Yeah, yeah. kept them cold so they didn't move. That was my first experience of Americans, when we have a Chinese takeaway, it's a little tin foil tub or a plastic tub, isn't it? You've got to pop it open and pour it into your, onto your plate. Yeah, yeah. That was my first experience of American takeout, which I've seen consistently for 35 years since. When the Americans get Chinese takeout, it's in like those takeout boxes. Like they eat it straight from the box. Things, yeah. So yeah. We, we get them in like the um, the plastic ones or the metal ones, which we can reuse. Yeah, you reuse, but they're not. You can't eat them straight out, especially with the rice, because if you take the lid off the rice now, it's all like squashed together, isn't it? Because then you put it on your plate, and it's like a big. It's just a square block. You got to break it up. <laughs> and then you have to rewarm That's it again you... in the microwave. Oh, fucking hell! Yeah, mine's real that. My local Chinese have decided to not be on Just Eat anymore because they say Just Eat's prices are too high. <laughs> so then I've just got to go to their website. Well, I'll tell you what. Yeah. I remember thinking, growing up, especially when I went and studied film, I was like, there's one film I'd love to write as a sequel to Lost Boys. I was like, I can't believe it makes it lost. And I remember saying to myself, I'd make like the Lost Girls just to <gasps> yeah. do a different spin on it. But actually, that's what Joel Schumacher tried to do throughout the 90s. He consistently girls. said to the studio, "Let's make a sequel, but it's All girls. called the Lost Girls. So, so it's like a, a sexy romp with those kind of like badass girls." Like and I think biker chick. Yeah, and I think the last he the last time he peddled it, uh, he, was, he was saying like, it was about two thousand and two, and he's like, "Britney Spears can be like the lead one and stuff oh like my that." God, it sounds terrible. But, I don't know. I quite like they did. So he tried for years to get a sequel made, but the studios weren't having it, and then. And then I remember when they announced the sequel, oh, like yeah. in 2007 or whatever, and I was like, oh my God, they're finally making a sequel, only for it to be one of the worst sequels ever made. Have you ever seen it? Lost Boys, The Tribe. The Tribe, terrible. And then they made another one two years later. Lost Boys, The Thirst. The, 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 <laughs> it's like, they're so, like I was so excited, but they're so bad. It's like what I can't get believe on the studio. Cheap the studio. It's like a cheap cable film. They wouldn't it's sign true. off booking Joel Schumacher's, you know, um, <laughs> thing with girls in biker girls leathers, but they signed off that. I just don't get it. I know. I is that does that mean? Don't. Do you, I reckon? I reckon if you looked into it, I wonder if someone got the rights. You know what I mean? That's is probably there, yeah, is there no, a rights issue where someone just so, bought it because there's hardly any money what's gone into those films as well. Yeah, so Joel Mackey, he produced it, but he wasn't, I don't think he was the exact producer, so he didn't own the rights to it or anything like that. So he was peddling the studio for it, and then the studio probably just, it just dragged on. So it gets to, like, the noughties. It's been, you know, 20 years since it was made, and they probably looked at it and just thought, nobody's going to be interested in it now. And they probably did just, just sell it to some half-baked studio to develop a sequel. Wow. And Feldman's in it, isn't he? 
briefly for about like five minutes, I think. Yeah, yeah. Is 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 Corey Hayman in one of them or not? I can't remember. I don't think. I think it, Corey didn't Corey. No, he, Corey. He passed away a few years ago. I just know. Yeah, and I, I just know Feldman's in he's, both. He's in both. One of them. He's he's a vampire, isn't he? Or is it? Or is it? This sounds terrible, but we'll talk about the first one, not the sequels. I've got a feeling Feldman. I, I reckon Corey Hayman's in one, and he's a vampire. And Feldman approaches him. They're so bad that I don't want any given any shit to them at all. Loads of remakes happen now, especially stuff from the eighties. I'm so surprised they haven't done a proper, proper reboot of it. Well, I I was hoping that someone might pick it up as a cracking TV program. I think well, it would work miles better as that. Isn't well, a vampire one apart from those fucking what was it? Oh, that painful one, Vampire Diaries. Well, they are making a TV series of it. Shut the hell up! No way! Really? Is that so like really? They made. <sighs> Don't. Much like the sequels, don't get excited. Oh, right. <laughs> so they, they, they pitched it initially, and it was going to be a, a, a prequel. Yeah. So it was going to be about how Kiefer Sutherland's character that was going to be set over the course of like 80 years. So it's going to be set to like the 1900s. Mm-hmm. Um, and they made a pilot for the CW in America. I'll come to the CW in a sec. They said no to that. So they've been trying to get them dish, and so they've gone back, and now they're going to just do a TV series based on the first film. So it'll be 20 episodes of Sam and Michael moving to Santa Clara or whatever it's called. Oh, and wow. just, just it'll just be the plot of the film spread out over, I don't know, 15 hours. Yeah, but who, who did you say picked it up? Net- no. Not Netflix. It's, it's a channel in America called The CW. I think Warner Brothers own it. But The CW, its target audience are 12 to like 21-year-olds. Oh, my God. So the CW had shows like Gossip Girl. Oh, that was quite right. Yeah, yeah. Vampire Diaries. I don't like that. The remake of Nano Two One Zero. Stuff like that. Yeah, well, it's so going to have caught... to. It'll just be full of pretty people, won't it? So, th- so that's why they're trying to get off the ground. So their their core audience, their core shows are, are just are inoffensive young teen fodder. They're not going. They've got. They're not going to even um, touch like eighteen certificate, is it? It's going to be just posted no. for fifteen. No, it'll, it'll, it'll be 12, 12. 12, 13 year olds. There won't it's be. Terrible. You won't see. You won't see. Really, you won't really want to see any blood. You might see a little bit. You get away with it, but it won't be. It just won't have that kick to it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. When, so when, do to sh- be honest, it would probably work better if they set it in the nineteen eighties. And they, yeah, they and, might do. They you know might what I mean? Do. Yeah, and someone picked it up. Because so there's a massive 80s revival since, like, Stranger Things and a lot of other films as well. Yeah. So the, the current show that they have at the moment, which is doing well, is Riverdale, which is based on comics. If you watch it, it's actually very well made. And stylistically, it's got a very good style and tone to it. It's, it's really well produced. But the, the content, the storylines, are just a bit bland because it's all done before do you know what i mean it's yeah. like it's just about teenagers it's like the drama is teenagers being teenagers oh well, my well, god that, it's well, kissed well, girl. well that's what's going to happen in this then it? it's 15 hours well, of lost boys it's going to be teenagers experiencing the first time you know love and all this type of thing and just so happen to be yeah. a vampire yeah have you watched the teen wolf tv show I started it when it first came out, and I was hoping for it to be good, but I just left it after the first so two. So that, that's what it'll be like. It'll be exactly like the Teen Wolf TV show. 
that I, I'm just confident that'll be exactly the same as that. I, I will so give it will, a go, though. I will give it a go. <sighs> no, I want to. Anyway, I'm disappointed. You're already but, disappointed. He's not even made oh, yet. Yeah. It'd be oh, all right. It might be all right. But they they tried to set up lots of different sequels, you know. Yeah. Well, um, you know what? It's actually done better in the um, comic book. So they they made a comic book to segue between the film and the straight to video sequel. Yeah. And apparently that's com- that comic book's really good. Yeah, it is so good. Keep... I've I've got the um I've got one of those books as well, and I've got a few downloaded. But the the actual <clears> sats <throat> man, you know, the saxophone player, looks like he's shagging the saxophone in the film. Um, yeah. he's makes like a quite a prominent role in it. In, oh, the, right. in the comics where he, he's um he's iconic he is yeah so he um he's re- so he was like a session a famous session musician so he's worked with loads and loads of people toured with like i don't know whitney houston and stuff like that the guy's ripped um, isn't he? <laughs> he's ripped i totally so funny so iconic last year they did a lost boys reunion and a lost boys festival in manchester no way uh, yeah so keith so it was in manchester keith sutherland was at it but he was there as well sax man no. Sweaty, sweaty sax man he was there as well I didn't know about it I was gutted I missed it I'm sure some of your listeners your family well, members I think, knew about it and went. I think yeah, I think my brother has seen Kiefer Sutherland I think he has he goes to these comic you know places in London yeah. and Wales and places and meets these stars pays to, to in my view a bit over the odds of seeing them I've, I've told him the best tip follow them to the toilet and make him sign something there Boom. <laughs> Ken's like nearly seven oh, foot. Like Kevin's, Ken's nearly seven foot. Who's going to turn around and say, no, I'm not going to sign it, stand in the queue. Boom. Get it signed. Yeah, but they, get, they, they don't go to the public loose. They no, no, don't just stand up and go and queue up with all the other smelling gits and go to the toilet. They, they go to a private like, toilet off. A VIP glue? Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, of course they do. Do you honestly think that the next Comic Con, do you think that, let's say, Doc Brown's going to be there? Do you think he's just going to go, oh, just... Before I sign that and do the fact I just need to knit for a piss. And then he stood in the queue with fucking Daleks, fucking characters from X Men. Well, <laughs> I did, but I don't now. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly thought, like, we know when we went to see uh, Back to the Future the Musical, everybody, um, I honestly thought those toilets we were using, Robert, Robert would have used it. Robert Zemetics. You know, Who? <laughs> <laughs> I got tongue twisted there. <laughs> um, that <laughs> no. Do you think the way he, do you think he queues up for the low the way he waltz past five hundred people to go and sit down? <laughs> well, I thought I thought yeah. If he sat there, the people would be handed books under the loo door. Sat on the shit of the pen. <laughs> that would have been you. You'd pop your head underneath it. Or head just slide. Oh, oh sign this for you, please. <laughs> I, love, uh, I love Forrest Gump as well. <laughs> <laughs> Forrest Gump having a dump. <laughs> See what I've done there. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> have you seen Death Becomes Her? Once Death Becomes You, you get out of the fucking cubicle. I, I honestly thought they'd be going to the same toilet. No. Um, no. I'm a bit disappointed uh, now. Sorry to oh, it, spoil that it, illusion. Here's like, a little tip for you, going back into the film. So, you know the contact lenses they wear in the yeah. film? Now, you know the bit where he, uh, David, uh, Kiefer Sullivan, I'm getting everybody's name wrong, um, Sutherland, he's holding fire, like he's like producing fire in the film. Zobert Ramakis. <laughs> <laughs> Seetha Coverland, right? Goes and eats mass. 
I need to go. So you know when Mitchell, you know when Mitchell, so you know, drink my blood, Mitchell. So you know when Blade comes in, yes. <laughs> <laughs> beats them bitches. Cecily White. Beats, beats them bitches down. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that might have been a twist in it. <laughs> anyway, when he's, he's like doing this fire shit with his hand, and he's got like his eyes go like glowing orange. When he gets burned. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. the shot on his face looks like there's a tear coming down. That tear wasn't yeah. planned. It's because those fucking contact lenses had been adding all most of the uh, the day in and out, in and out, and it badly hurt his eyes, and his eyes was watering constantly. Oh. That's interesting. Yeah, as if they didn't know before. Let's just let's not make him blink for like five minutes, and then do the shot. Yeah, I bet they're like, you, you're costing more than anyone else on it, <laughs> bastard. You can fucking deserve it. <laughs> I bet, I bet. I'd like to do that. I won't mind getting a list. You know, when they produce a film, do a film, and just say this is how much everyone cost. <laughs> I'm sure. You, I wonder if you can find that out. They do release it every the now and then, don't they? Like um, <clears throat> uh, Iron Man guy he's he's doing shitloads being iron man and it comes out how much how much he gets yeah i'm sure you could find it somewhere do you know another thing with keith do you know why he wears gloves in the film he he broke his hand (laughs) he broke his hand (laughs) and so he couldn't have he couldn't have like a cast or a bandage on that's all that scary when did he break Um, his hand because he hangs from underneath the tree I don't know, mate, because I don't. I wasn't there. Um, <laughs> was it because he's not Tom? Next time I'm in the cubicle with him, I'll ask him. <laughs> was it because when he dropped off that train track, he really hurt I don't, himself? I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know whether it was before the film, after the film. I can, you can speculate all you want. I just don't. I, Cliff, right? Yeah. Do you want know he broke his wrist? I don't know when he did it. Ah, oh, shit, man. Right. You just give well, him. That's why he wears gloves. Right. Okay. Well, why wear gloves if you brought your wrist? What was that fucking showing? Like the cast of the bandage? Oh, right, I suppose so. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He could have made a funky oh, yeah, bandage, because it's the 80s. Cause, cause, he could have made, like... Because your hand's attached to your wrist, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, good point there, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know his brother was in... He was played the baddie in the Lost Boys sequel. I didn't know that. Did you know he had a brother? I didn't know he had a brother. Is, it, <laughs> is he one of those brothers who's, like, trying to run on the on the back of it? Let me have a look. Like, William, oh, William yeah. Baldwin, he's called. Yeah, yeah. Ball, yeah. His name's even on the Lost Boys sequel. And he's, it's the, the surname's larger than the first name. Is that so to try and get people to think it's Kiefer? Oh, yeah. It probably is. Yeah. <laughs> it probably is. It's probably, like, S. Sutherland or something. You know, it, oh, my God. Kiefer Sutherland's in this. Like someone writes a book called by Bernard King and the King's Dead Big. <laughs> Could be Stephen yeah. King that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, what books would Bernie King write? The shitting. The shitting. Body horror. <laughs> <laughs> Salem's plot. It's about my. Uh, it's a plot land I've got. Yeah, I just just, uh, just, just grow vegetables on it. <laughs> Bernard King. <laughs> That's fucking awesome. Okay, uh, that's going to be my pseudonym. You know, it's, not, it's, not, it's, it's not it. It's IT. <laughs> <laughs> the horrors of being a service desk executive providing IT support. <laughs> Just a computer screen with a red nose on the top of it. <laughs> Happy to help button that's red. <laughs> that's it, man. We've, we've, we've got something here. I'm going to run with it. We could do. We could just do like, yeah. So let's we could do this. This could be our our way to become literary authors is to be called Bernard King and just copy the titles of Stephen King books, but twist them to make them really mundane and boring. Yeah, someone would get them. Telling you what other what other Stephen King books has he written? Green Mile. What could that be? 
the, no, the, the green <laughs> green tiles. The There's a study of putting tiles up in his bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, just just going back to the story again, I, I have to tell you uh, what I heard. I know the word um, for the title Lost Boys. Now, we know the connections to Peter Pan, but I also heard, because Peter Pan is quite an, an old story, that the connection for the word of the term Lost Boys comes from children, young children who have died, and they go to the Never Never Land. It's not the fact that they fell out of the fucking pram. It means they, they died. What so? What's that a term that it's a, it's a, it's a, Jay Barry used? Is yeah. that like you called Peter Pan's team? Team Peter Pan's uh, mates, lost, lost boys. Lost boys would be children who has died because if all these children. What they're gonna? Oh. If it's a flaming kid fell out of the pram, his mum would have picked him up. But the t- it, and if you think of it that way, it's more realistic that the, the poor bastards have died and they've moved on, and he's that's what happens to children when they die. Whether that's oh. real, but it's certainly. I don't know. It seems to resonate no, better than they fell out sure. of a pram. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm, yeah, but I'm, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know. Well, so the other they made those shit sequels. You know, they they actually did shoot different endings to do sequels, but they didn't use it yet. So they had one where um, I don't think Keith Sutherland dies. Well, he doesn't. You never see him properly die, do you? So there's a bit. I think there's one where he he is on his own regrouping, and then another one where. Oh no, maybe it's the same one. I think the Lost Boys regroup as a, a, like a, and it was supposed to be like an end credit scene oh, right. to tee up a sequel, but they never did it. They should have done. They should have done. It was a, it was a hit though, but not a mega hit for the amount of money it cost. Well, how much did it cost? I've got about eight and a half million to make or something, which yeah. is nothing really. It's nothing to make eight and a half million, but the comeback of thirty-two million, eight and a half million, maybe looking at another five, four million on top for. You know, advertising and stuff like that, marketing. Yeah. Thirty-two million for making half. It's worth a chance doing another one, but it's whether you're gonna get the stars at that time. I wonder why they. I wonder why it didn't perform so well. I wonder what else came it out at the same didn't time. Per- which it performed better outside America than it did in in America. It must be down to timing. It must have been down to timing. Depending what's out at the same time. To be fair, it's people love it because it's a cult. It is a, it's what you would call a, it's a perfect example of a cult film, isn't it? Really. Yeah, yeah. And that's the problem when they want to about trying to get funding to make remake cult films, because you look at the figures and say, well, is it going to be? Is it? Is it actually going to make the money? Other people, because it's a cult film, are people going to be bothered with it? Like the, the biggest, one of the biggest cult films in the modern times in the last twenty years has been Donnie Darko, right? That's one we could do. Um, have you watched Donnie Darko? Yeah, I've seen that. It's really good. So I was obsessed with that unit. I thought it was absolutely brilliant. I loved it. They made a sequel, you know. What with the same with the same actors? No, it's it's supposed to be his little sister. I think it's a. I don't. I can't remember if it's the same actress. But it's so shit. How you can make a sequel to Donnie Darko? I don't know. It's it's encapsulated. It's a time loop. It ends at the start. Do you know what I mean? It's it's one thing. But they've made a they made a sequel and it was a straight to video sequel. It was terrible. It was terrible. Is it is that the um, is it the same guy who written the first one? Richard sort of. No, I don't think so. I think again it was the studio. They own the rights to the the name, don't they? And, oh, right, and they just want to cash in a bit more. Yeah. Well, you think this studio Warner Brothers would have a bit of spare cash to think? You know what? This has done well overseas. And I, I just, just don't. I just don't know <clears throat> the logic behind it. 
Maybe Kiefer Sutherland, and you know what I mean? Just for I'm not doing another one. I wonder if it's that they just looked at it and thought it's such an 80s film that in the 90s it would land. They might have thought, nah, moves, I think times have moved on. It's not, it's not relevant anymore. There was no films that I said we talked about teen films before. Teen films weren't made in the 90s until that last one was like California Man or whatever. Like, yeah. you had a few, like, you had to scream and stuff, which seemed like there was no teen. I don't, I don't know. It's a funny one with teen movies in the 90s. They totally just left them, except a few other ones like Scream, and then American Pie came out and reunited them. Plus, I don't know. Not they, only that, they just though, left it, it, too long. it felt like they moved away from doing vampire films, so in a sense. You know yeah, I mean? there was nothing. There was no vampire stuff. I was doing the 90s, really, after I can think of off well, the top of my head. You're going to get the Dust Till Dawn was like 96 or 97, but that that's just more of. Uh, you know, like thriller and fun. It's not, it's not really serious. A bit of a joke, isn't it? But, yeah. And then you got Blade, which is this is all coming to the end of the nineties, so though. Yeah, Blade or something. was like two thousand or something, wasn't it? Yeah. And even, I don't think Blade's very good. No, I actually prefer the second one. Oh gosh, can't I remember the second one. Blade two. The guy from the with the with the. Um... Oh yeah, the Matt. Yeah. Or Luke Goss, one of them. Is that the second one? Yeah. Yeah. I tell you, I tell you what. One film which um, I remember my dad watching when everybody was going on about uh, Lost Boys was one that came out the same year. It was Near Dark. Near, Near Dark, yeah. Apparently that's the better film. I've, I've watched it, but I found it really boring. I didn't like it. It's too serious. Yeah, too serious. Yeah. It doesn't have a, I, more of a, like Lost Boys. You can definitely tell they're aiming it for the younger teen audience, where Near Dark is more adult fired. Yeah, I didn't like it. I preferred Lost Boys, but that's I think that's just because of our generation. It's more cooler. It's more cooler. You know what I mean? You yeah. watch Lost Boys. Yeah. It's it's the music as well, and this is a nice segue to the music. Boom. So yeah. I don't remember that tune, didn't it? Uh, it would have been better with that tune. I don't remember the countdown tune. <laughs> That'd have been better. When he's after them, and it sticks his teeth in. And on there, I didn't realise until I was listening to the Lost Boys track today. Um, you got an Elton John song, "Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me," sung by Roger Daltrey. Is that an Elton John song? Yeah. Oh yeah, of course it is. Yeah, don't let the sun. And again, it, it just sounds like the Elton John version. Just, just use that one. So what? Roger Daltrey, he was in the Who, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. So you got him. So, the, uh, do you know the main song, Cry Little Sister? Like, I'd never heard of Gerald, never heard of him before or after the guy who sang it, Gerard McCann, McMahon or something. Yeah. He apparently wrote that song without seeing any of the film. What is it, is... Can you believe that? Because it's tonally, it fits it perfectly, doesn't it? Yeah. The film is perfect, that song is perfect for the film. So, he managed to write a song that fitted with it. So, I've never known a song to fit so well in a film, to be quite honest. No. And it's, it's a great and it's a great tune as it is anyway. And he, he had no idea what the film was going to be like. How nuts is that? That's crazy. He also has written a lot of songs for other films as well after. Oh, has he? Yeah, like, um, but stuff you probably won't like. So Chasing Amy, so Kevin Smith one. <laughs> no, you don't like Kevin Smith. <laughs> so he's written, he's written the stuff for TV as well. Uh, he's written for The Shield. Uh, he's written for Scrubs. But it's like one-off bits here and there. It doesn't seem like a... I'm, I'm, no offence to the guy, people who do actually like it, but he's not out there with the big boys by the looks of it. 
He's not out there. He's not out there with the big boys. No, nope, he's not out there with the big boys. <laughs> he might have done a shitload of albums, but uh, the last one he'd done was like uh, 2017. That was a single. No, he said that's been got lucky with that one song. The thing is, it's been covered quite a few times. Yeah, so he'd be, they made he'd like quids in. Yeah, they make it like a cheesy dance song out of it in the noughties, I remember. And there was, a, there was another one a few years after. For some reason, it got rediscovered, I think. People who grew up watching the film, who could then write music, just ripped it off. Yeah, I always say, and like I said before, the people are strange by Echo and a Bunnyman. Uh, when people was playing that time and time and saying it was Echo and a Bunnyman who did it, and they didn't realise it was The Doors, and it sounds exactly like The Doors version, it pisses me off. <laughs> and you might mention. I think you. I think you might mention. I'm gonna mention it again oh, because I'm pissed. Yeah, off. maybe about twenty minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, is it cheaper than? Is it right? I don't know about much about music, so maybe you do. But it, is it cheaper for them to get someone else to sing the song what someone else did, or it, because it might be more expensive to actually use a Doors singing that song? I don't know. I, the reason why they want people to. So the reason why they asked Echo and the Bunny Man, they probably like the song and they probably played the song the original over the film but the doors although he features in it it's quite sense he, he what they're not an 80s act right so they probably wanted an 80s act to cover it to help fuel interest in the soundtrack oh, so that's right. why they get a big band from the 80s to do it well you got in excess as well yeah so in excess they're a massive band of the 80s aren't they mm-hmm. um and, so, and, and Roger Daltrey, who, although the Who was more 70s he was quite he was coming he, in and out he, all the time though did his own stuff yeah yeah he, he also was a good actor as well yeah well, he, he so obviously they used the Who song on CSI, go back to some weird CSI connection. But he then appears in some episodes of CSI. Oh, I wonder if that was in the contract. You want to use my song? I want to be in it. Well, they don't use... Uh, I don't know. He, they don't use the song in the first series of CSI. Are you a CSI mad fanatic or something? No, not my wife was. She maybe sit and literally watched. 20 series of it she loved it she loved it so then i end up just i've literally watched every single episode <laughs> oh fucking hell <laughs> <laughs> next week's podcast yes. CSI. CSI, let's do one a week of every single let's one do an week. hour on yeah let's do an hour on csi vegas then an hour on csi miami then a csi new york and then we'll do csi signed did you not do csi salford that would be good <laughs> no there's just the, the there's just too much content. <laughs> a, every episode is just semen stains everywhere. He's just looking at bodies going, can't afford to analyse that. Put it in the river then. Put it in the river. <laughs> <laughs> it's always the same body as well. Sea Shepherd. Sea Shepherd. Shepsies. Here again. Shepsies. Shepsies corpses. <laughs> Uh, we'll come to the end of the pod uh, as everybody would have heard I hope you've all tuned in and enjoyed it give you a bit of uh, tidbits there a bit of trivia and it's a classic cult classic film we all love thank you again for Fatboy Slip for joining and I hope he comes on again and to lead lead us out come in your ears again again yeah yeah aim this time and then and we'll leave you with Cry Little Sister thank you bye 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 bye